Good morning, Saints. Uh, as uh, Pastor Kurt said, I am Bill Klein, and I am an ordained pastor for life. And uh, it's God's fault, but he used Pastor John Stalker to make it happen. And I see him sitting in the back there. Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you, Miss Linda. My wife of 36 years, my wife of 36 years, Debbie, is with me this morning. Would you please stand? Our marriage um, was arranged by two very anointed matchmakers, Shadley Wigman and, and uh, Pastor Linda Stalker. Um, I, was a, I was a young single dad, a widower, and I had two little boys, and I had discerned uh, with my extensive skills of discernment that I did not have the gift that Paul had and should not remain single. And some of you have that gift, you just, you're blessed. And Paul said so, and, but I knew I didn't have that gift. And you don't know what I'm talking about. Just go read your Bible, you'll find it. And so I was praying and I was seeking God for a mate. And Pastor, uh, Pastor Linda and Shadley Wigman conspired together with God and thank God he answered their prayers and mine. So Debbie, I, I just so much appreciate. Debbie is the best woman in my life, and I am the best man in her life. Amen? <laughs> Whatever Debbie wants, Debbie gets. Um, she brought Kelly into my life, my daughter. I brought two sons to her, Seth and Noah, and she adopted them, became their mom. And together we had Christopher. And to, uh, among all those kids, we've got eight grandkids. So that's a really cool place to be. And those of you who don't have this color of hair, you've got something to look forward to. All right. From 1993 until July 2017, I served as the counseling pastor at Res in Loveland. And during that time, I wore several other hats as well. I had small, group, uh, small groups under me. I had marriage ministries, premarital counseling, individual counseling, new members training, which was one of my favorite things is to interact with new members or new, new believers especially. And then in 2010, I was introduced to Bethel Sozo Ministry and my life changed uh, forever. At that time, I was, I was almost on the verge of burnout, not quite. I mean, I was a counseling pastor. I knew how to counsel myself out of anything. Burn out now, nah, we're not gonna burn out. And, um, but I was, I was on the verge of just wanting to give up because I needed something new. I needed, I needed to see breakthrough. I needed to see things actually happening that I was reading in the Bible. And I, and I knew what Jesus came to do, but I didn't see it happening. And for one thing, it was really bugging me, and I don't know if it bugs anybody else or not, but it was really bugging me that so many people were coming to the Lord, but they weren't living any differently than the world lives. And I thought, oh my, something, something's not right here. And so then in the Sozo ministry, everything changed because I found out that my job was not to be doing the kinds of things that I was doing, but my job was to facilitate an encounter between people who needed Jesus and what he wanted to do in their lives and, and then just kind of get out of the Lord's way and let him do it. So in, when I do Sozo ministry, that's what that's all about. We're kind of a, we're kind of a tour guide in Sozo. That's what we, you know, you're the temple of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the designer of the temple. And we're going to facilitate a tour through the temple. And the designer is very jealous of his designs. He doesn't like to tolerate furniture he didn't design. So it's going out the door. 
And if you're not with me on this, you'll understand toward the end of the message the kind of stuff that gets dealt with. In fact, I want to make sure that it's clear in your mind and clear in your heart who Jesus is and why he came to this planet and to encourage you to trust him like never before because I believe that things are coming to our world that are going to challenge our faith. And I think that we've got to be in a place where we're so strong in trusting him that nothing can shake us. And on the other hand, on the other side, God is going to be doing such great things that if you've got your eyes open to see that, if you see what's going on in the kingdom, the the stuff that the other guy is doing won't shake you at all. Maybe in the next 40 minutes, however long I take, you might have some religious glasses taken off. And um, just don't, don't be offended by that. Anybody got them on? You don't have to tell me who you are. And finally, I want to invite you to join me in something that God has called me to. And it is so big, it's so huge. Uh, I'm, I'm dedicating my life to Jesus to fulfill this. And Deb and I were just talking about it this morning that I, I wish I was about 20 years younger because then I'd know that I have enough time to get this done. And I don't know if there's enough time left in my life. And so we're doing everything we can to stay physically fit and, and, uh, and to be available to the Lord to accomplish what he wants because what he's going to do, I believe in the next uh, couple of years, 5, 10, 15, 20, I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be absolutely amazing. So I want to invite you in to be a part of that. When Jesus started his ministry, um, he was at the synagogue in, in Nazareth. And he stood up to read, and the scripture says that he was familiar with this. This is something he had done before. It was a good thing, because they didn't have chapter and verse in the scrolls. And it says he, he turned to the place in the scroll where he read. And we have the benefit of chapter and verse, and we can look it up quickly. I just, I think it's amazing. This is probably, this explains to me why Peter would say, somewhere it says... And I used to wonder, why didn't he quote chapter and verse? Well, he didn't have that in his scrolls. Okay. But Jesus knew where he was going, and he, he, um, uh, he read this in, in Luke 4.18. It's recorded for us. We're not going to put that up. We're going to put up Isaiah 61 because that's what he was reading. But here's how it sounded in the, in the, in the uh, uh, translation that I, I picked up. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Everything that we just heard in there, we heard this morning when, when Pastor Emily got up and started talking about breakthrough for people. To get free of depression, brokenheartedness, to get breakthrough in areas where you need it. Well, Jesus was reading from Isaiah 61. And I love the, the uh, complete Jewish Bible. Um, it, it's, I've shared it with a couple of my Jewish friends and they say, yeah, that's a good translation. And I like it because it has a Jewish spiciness to it. And um, it says, The Spirit of Adonai Elohim is upon me, because Adonai, the Lord, has anointed me to announce good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to let out into light those bound in darkness, to proclaim the year of the favor of Adonai. And all of this was, was 
prophesied of the Messiah, that he would come and do this. And so the Jews were expecting a Messiah that would do these things. And brokenhearted, listen to me, brokenhearted means to be squashed, flattened, or broken into pieces. And all of us, to some extent, have experienced that in life. And we need a Savior to bind us up. Broken hearts break hearts. Wounded people wound people. You've all heard that, right? And Jesus comes to bind us up so that we can be wholehearted and that we don't have the effect on others that we're not supposed to be having, but rather we can release his kingdom. Captives refers to those people who are in bondage against their will. And this very often turns out to people who have, who have been, uh, they're in a relationship and someone sinned against them and they're just so slimed and defiled and upset by what happened to them, they're they held captive to that until they um, meet with someone who prays with them and brushes that off and releases it and lets it go, and, and, uh, and they need someone to help them do that. And finally, let out into light those bound in the darkness. I really love that because uh, in the in the um, uh, Luke four eighteen it says that he it, that Jesus would restore uh, the sight of the blind and what happened in his day was in the prisons people were chained in darkness and what happens in the darkness is you begin to you boy these are bright lights you begin to you can't see you just can't see. And Jesus has come to restore the eyesight of those who are chained in darkness and lead them out into the light. These are prisoners, and they they are the ones who might have started out as a captive, and then they judge the person who hurt them. And once you judge, you step into a jail cell. Jesus said... In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, judge not that you be not judged. With the judgment you place on others, that same judgment comes back on you. As you judge, so shall you be judged. And here's why. He came to reveal to us that our Father God, he's our Father, he is my Father, right? But he's also a judge. Thank God, the judge is my dad. That means I get some favor in the courtroom, right? Because my older brother set it up and he went and he shed his blood for me so that every verdict from my father is not guilty. Every verdict. So anybody in the room struggling with shame over some sin in your past, you need to hear the judge say to you, not guilty because that's what he's saying today. He's been saying it since the cross. Well, all of these things were predicted of of the Messiah. John the Baptist knew this stuff. When he first saw Jesus, he knew who he was. He hadn't seen any miracles. There wasn't any, any other proof that he had, but he knew who he was. And in fact, he said, you know, I need to be baptized of, uh, of you. And Jesus said, no, uh, allow this to happen. Suffer this to be so, to fulfill all righteousness. The only way our righteousness could come to us is if Jesus went through that baptism water, making it holy for everyone who follows him. So did you have baptisms last week? Yeah. And all those people who got baptized last week got baptized in holy water. And hands that could not be seen cut something away from them and marked them for the kingdom. 
Now, I don't know if you know anything about that, but if I'd been here, I would have taught that. Okay. <laughs> so what happens to people in prison? John is arrested. He's put into prison. He's chained in Herod's prison, and he becomes darkened. What he knew by sight, he suddenly is doubting. And he sends some messengers, and he says uh, to Jesus, are you the one that we have been looking for, or should we look for another? And Jesus said this. He said, go back and tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are hearing good news. And all of that meant the Messiah has come. John knew that. Praise the Lord. Jesus, in fact, when he was in the synagogue, he said, after he read Isaiah 61, he said, today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I don't know what you think that means. I read an article on the internet, the source of all knowledge the other day, that said, Jesus never said he was the Messiah. And I thought, you know, technically they're right. He never put those words together, I am the Messiah. But I don't know, when I see today these words are filled in your, fulfilled in your hearing, I think he's making it pretty clear, right? Got a couple in agreement. I did hear Pastor Kurt say amen. Okay. Well, what does this have to do with Sozo ministry? Well, Sozo ministry is something that we've been doing now for, um, uh, let's see, since 1997. It started in Redding, California. It's gone all over the world. There are 36 nations that have Sozo teams. Most denominations in the world have Sozo teams, believe it or not. Um, we have uh, about 141 countries that Sozo training has been done in. And it, it, it crosses borders easily. It is not cultural. It is not doctrinal. It's not theology. It is an attempt to facilitate an encounter between you and God so that Jesus can sozo you. Sozo means to heal, deliver, to, to, uh, um, it means to save, heal, deliver, and to make whole. And that idea of wholeness in the Jewish mind is shalom. When the Jews greet each other, they're saying wholeness, good health, well-being to you, shalom, shalom. When they say goodbye, it's shalom. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. He has come to restore our wholeness. So Sozo is a full meal deal. And a lot of people in the body of Christ have come in, they've stepped in the door, but they haven't progressively moved on to that fullness of healing and deliverance and, and wholeness. And that's why we see so much difficulty or uh, um, brokenness in the body of people who are not living according to their identity. There are two possible outcomes, maybe three, of every encounter with Jesus. And you can read this in the Gospels. Now, the people who received Sozo walked away shouting and leaping and giving God all the glory. And in fact, Jesus said this several times. He said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you Sozo, has made you well. And it's recorded 110 times the word is in the New Testament. It's a great word study. So that's one response of an encounter with Jesus. The other one is people go away downcast, like the, uh, the, rich, king, the rich king who heard Jesus say, sell everything you got and follow me. And that just didn't set with him. 
That's not where his priorities were, and he went away depressed. And then other people go away looking for stones so they can stone him or push him off the cliff or do something of that nature. Amen? Well, the world is still looking for a redeemer today and one who will come and save and heal and deliver us and make us whole. And I believe it's our job to show them who he is. Amen? When I was a little kid, there was a guy who had a vision of buying a school bus and uh, painting it all up and coming down to the poor neighborhoods of Loveland and picking up the kids and taking us to Sunday school. And outside the church, they had a neon sign that was just, it, it was kind of not working most of the time. And it's, you know, it's going on and off and Jesus saves, you know, Jesus is like a blinking Christmas tree bulb and he saves some and other times he's not on, so. But no, I found out he does save and he saves to the uttermost. He saves to the full, amen. He came to the earth to get us to give him our earthly junk so he could give us his heavenly riches. That's what he did. There's so many exchanges that happened at the cross. And I want you to understand and know that Jesus always trades up. You never get less than. He said that it's Father's pleasure, his Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom is righteousness, joy, and righteousness, peace, and joy, shalom, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that eternal life is beginning now. If all Jesus did was come to the earth to save us, he should have killed us right after he did it. Right? I mean, why, why would I have to put up with, with all the stuff I've had to put up with over the last 38 years? Oh, thank God for the last 38 years, especially the 36 I've had with you. And thank God that we're still facing things that we get to face together and we get to trust God for a change. We get to trust God for breakthrough. Thank God we're learning who our Father is in heaven and how much he loves us. Amen? So never give up. Never give up. Keep seeking, keep asking, and, um, and keep knocking. Now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't stop doing sozo when he left the planet. No, what he did was he said, here, boys, here are the keys. You go do this now. And he gave us the keys to expand his kingdom. Amen? Yeah, it's really shocking. When I first heard that, I, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Bill, you don't believe that. What do you mean I don't believe that? And then he showed me the lie I was believing. And the lie I was believing, this is just a couple weeks ago, guys. I'm just, you know, I'm being honest here. And the lie I was believing, I renounced and received that truth. Jesus has given me the keys to the kingdom. I have the ability to open doors with his power, with him. I can't do it without him. John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing, so don't try. See, this is what I'm all about these days, is that we need encounters with him. We had an encounter with the Spirit of God here today. But if we walk away and do nothing, all we got was entertainment. And you know, there are a lot of people out there in the world who know the good things to do, but they've had no encounter with God. They're still trying to do good things. Bless them, Lord, help them. They need that intimacy with you. But activation of good things without an encounter is simply philanthropy. 
And not all philanthropy is what God wants people to be doing, especially he doesn't want people to become dependent on human beings. He wants people to become dependent on him. So I believe, I believe Kurt and Emily's heart is to have encounters with God, take it away and do something with it. So I'm going to give you four simple things you can do with what the encounter that God brings us here. Because the whole purpose is to connect us with God, that we would come into intimacy with him. And in the, in the class I'll be doing on freedom, it's going to be mostly about developing that intimacy that uh, resulted in Jesus saying this, I only say what my father is saying, I only do what my father is doing. And I've wanted to know for years, how did he do it? How did he do it? How did He did it by the Holy Spirit. And he did it by the word. You cannot eliminate one or the other. If all you do is study the word without the spirit, you'll become really religious. Bless your little heart. If you become all focused on the spirit and ignore the word, you might get spooky spiritual. And most of us aren't comfortable around spooky spiritual people, right? Okay, now if you think you're spooky spiritual, that's okay, I bless you, I love you. And you're welcome to come talk to me anytime. The only way the enemy can gain any control in your life is if you agree with his lies. It's the only power he has. So I'm here to call you to agree with what Jesus says. That's why you need the Spirit and you need the Word to understand what Father God is saying. Now, often the wounds and lies we run into when we're doing ministry are anchored in the soul with unforgiveness. And so this brings us to the key, the main key I wanted to talk about today of forgiveness. This is the key that lets prisoners out of jail, and it also releases captives from whatever they're, they're caught up in. So if you feel like you're in a jail cell or you feel like things are darkened, you feel like you're captive and slimed by others, if you feel like you've got a broken heart, then you need this encounter with Jesus to be whole. And the key here that he gives us for the freedom that he has come to give us is forgiveness. But this freedom, this is really important you get this. It just bugs the heck out of me when I hear people take a little snippet of the word without the context. And it says, the truth will set you free. Does it say that in the word? No, it does say that in the word. But what's the context? Here's the context. Jesus said, if, tiny little English word, two letters, I-F, if you continue in what I teach you, if you continue in my words, you will gnosko know, not just head know, but you will gnosko know the truth and the truth will make you free. And here's the whole problem with Christianity. It's so daily. Every day, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Now, I know that sounds like I'm dragging my cross behind me. Oh, Jesus, where are we going today? Oh, Jesus. No, it's a lot more exciting than that. I, sometimes I can't wait for the next day, but Jesus said, don't do that. There's enough in that day to take care of itself. You know, focus on the day here today. But ever since I started doing sozo, I come home pumped up and alive. Is that true, Deb? I used to come home like this after counseling. Oh God, I wish I could have a drink. 
but I gave that up. Bless God. Well, listen, I got a word given to me by Dr. Elaine Schaus Wallers back in 1991. Pastor John was witnessing this. She was in his office and she said, I, the Lord, am coming in to the counseling office soon. I'll be setting people free like that. And she clapped. And she said, when this day begins, do not rely on your knowledge, do not rely on your experience, do not rely on your processes. Rely on me, says the Lord. Well, that was in 1999 and it was in 2010 when that really began to pop and open up for me. So if you would like to get a Sozo session, a private confidential Sozo session, you can go to my website. I think they'll put that up, sozofreedomsteps.org. And let me tell you how this came about real quick. In January of 2017, if you'll just leave that up there a moment, Pastor Jonathan asked me if I would pray about taking Sozo ministry in, into the uh, community and take it out of the church into a nonprofit status. And I remember sitting there thinking, why would I want to do that? And so I decided I better pray about this because my job was ending. So if this is what the Lord wants me to keep doing, then I better get after it. Honestly, I did not want the Lord to say yes. I was expecting him to say, keep on doing what you're doing, because he had said that to me so many times. There was a time when I was working at Hewlett Packard and I wanna quit and go into full-time ministry. And I heard the Lord say, no, keep on doing what you're doing. And he's probably saying that to some of you too. You're getting a little frustrated where you are. Keep on doing what you're doing. Just be faithful. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. Give him all the glory for it. So I was shocked to hear him say yes. And this is exactly what he said to me. I, I pulled it out of my journal this morning and put it in here. He said, yes, Bill, I want you to do that. It is my desire to establish a transformation center where I can work freely. I am not being put out of the church. I'm taking the gifts I've placed in others into the community, and I promise greater fruitfulness. I'm about to deliver souls by the truckload. My body must come together in unity or it will fall. And as this work begins, do not fear your shortcomings. Do not fear uh, any lack of experience. Rely on me more and more. And I will slam shut every door the enemy tries to open, and I'll open every door to heaven's full provision of grace, anointing, and power. Amen. Well, I also believe that was the word of the Lord. I recognized that voice. I knew he was talking to me. And um, the only problem I found with that word was there's no details. What? I mean, I like details. I'm a man, you know. I, I want to know what's my next step. What do I do next? Who do I do this with? Uh, where's the money coming from? And he has provided everything. I've, I've got a website, which you can see up there, and you can take that down anytime. And um, the, uh, my webmaster got that put together in record time. Then a CPA in Grand Junction who loves Sozo Ministry said, hey, have you filed your paperwork for 501c3 yet? And I said, no. And he said, I'll do it for you. So he did it. And eight days later, the IRS granted us nonprofit status. I guess that was a record time. I don't know. I think God must be in it. <laughs> And the whole team in the church, 38 people at the time, came with me, and, and we've all stayed together in unity. 
We continue to do Sozo ministry at Res. There are two, two rooms that uh, we continue to use. But in the meantime, God has provided an office down here in Greeley on uh, 9th Street in the, the uh, former Lamb Ministries building. And uh, we're up there on the third floor. Then we also have an office at House of Neighborly Service in Loveland and Drake Road Christian Church. Uh, the pastor came up to me there. I was at a meeting and, and he said, what kind of ministry do you do? And I told him what I was doing. And he said, here. And he handed me a key to the church. He said, you can do it here anytime you want to. And then he starts sending people to us. And uh, so I was pondering this whole transformation center thing and going, what is a transformation center? And I'm thinking a building. And I'm thinking, oh, I've never had to believe God for money for a building. Oh, I don't know. What, is, what does this thing look like, Lord? And Greeley? Really? Why not Windsor or Loveland? I mean, Windsor's right in the middle of northern Colorado, Lord. This would really make a lot of sense. Okay. Well, this is what I heard him say. I heard that same voice say about Greeley. It's the city of God. There was a seriousness and a heaviness and a glory in that voice that shook me. So I decided I better do some research on Greeley and find out what's going on. I found out the city was dedicated in 1869 as Union Colony. Most of you might know this. It was dedicated to God. Became Greeley a little bit later. And originally the idea was to form a Christian utopian community. There, where people would raise their own food, they would raise their own families, and they would care for one another in an atmosphere of Christian brotherly love. Churches began to spring up right away, and in a very short time, Greeley became known as the city of churches. And Greeley residents were called the saints. And it was well known everywhere else that you couldn't get a drink in Greeley because Greeley was dry, except for the water that came through the irrigation because Greeley was founded on faith, family, education, irrigation, temperance, that's the dry stuff, agriculture, and home. Now listen to some of these things that have happened in this city because it was dedicated to God. I believe because it was dedicated to God. Telephones and electric lights were first installed in Greeley, one of the first Colorado cities to have them. One of the first American cities to have its own radio station, KFKA in 1922. Sprinkler technology, which has, has caused agriculture in the western part of the United States to blossom, pioneered in Greeley. First Colorado city to establish its own culture of, uh, department of culture in 1958. The first Colorado city to have its own community orchestra, now known as the Greeley Philharmonic, that was established in 1911. Among the first American cities to build an airport, only 25 years after Wilbur and, and Orville took off in their little plane in 1928, Greeley had an airport. And alcohol was not sold in this city until after 1969 when the law was changed. So it took 100 years for the devil to move in and convince everybody, excuse me, I'm sorry. I don't believe God is going to reestablish, uh, you know, prohibition in Greeley. I don't believe that. God is into self-control. And that's one of the fruit of the Spirit, and that's what he wants here. 
So I got to thinking, Lord, what is this transformation center? What does it look like? And, what, and, and help me focus on this and understand it. And I was introduced to a man in Fort Collins who does a lot of homeless ministry, Ryan Carter, and he asked me if uh, Sozo Ministry would help him in that ministry. And I said, yeah, I would if they want help. Because we found in Sozo Ministry, it's just Jesus knew this. We say, we say it this way, you gotta wanna. I can't help people who don't want help. I'll say that all the time to a guy. A man will come in for Sozo and say, so what are you coming here for Sozo today? Because my wife said so. Well, I just know we're going to have a good time. Very often we do have a good time because I know how to get around that attitude and get them into the presence of God. I love it. So... Ryan and I started working together, and we did a, a couple of sozos uh, with homeless guys. One of them had a, a quite of an extensive background in drug use and things like that. After one encounter with Jesus, this guy goes out and gets hired in a bakery in Fort Collins. He becomes the night manager in a short period of time. He's got his own apartment. He's got his own car. Homelessness, homelessness and drug use are fading into his past. Just like the word says... Put the past in the past. You don't have to live with that stuff now. You don't have to drag it with you into your future, okay? So I really enjoy doing that stuff, and, uh, and that testimony has really, uh, really lit me up. So Ryan invited me to come hear this guy speak at Drake Road Christian, and Rick Heron was his name. I'd never heard of Rick Heron before. Any of you heard of Rick Heron? Some of you know Rick Heron? Anybody buy his book? He wrote a book called, listen to this, catchy title, Marketplace Miracles, Extraordinary Stories of Marketplace Turnarounds, Transforming Businesses, Schools, and Communities. Well, I was caught by the word transforming because God's telling me he wants a transformation center. So I went to the meeting and, and um, I heard Jesus call to be a transformer and to be active in my workplace, in my community, in my church, in even in schools and, and in the uh, government, and it hit me that the transformation center God wants is not a building. It's a network, and guess who is in that network? It's all of you. Amen? So here we are now trying to understand what this is all about. Rick also taught on uh, a word in the Scripture that I've always wondered why it was translated as church. And it's the word ecclesia. And ecclesia did not mean church in Jesus' day. There was no church at that time. There was an ecclesia. And the ecclesia was the, the called out ones of the Roman Empire who were called by the emperor, equipped by the emperor, given authority by the emperor, to go spread Roman culture and Roman control in the Roman Empire. That was the ecclesia. Now, the, when, when the disciples heard him say he was going to raise up his own ecclesia, they were hearing him say, I'm going to have an ecclesia that will stand in opposition to the Roman ecclesia. Do you see that? But Jesus, he wasn't, his, his kingdom was not a visible kingdom. He wasn't building buildings. He wasn't putting up structures. He wasn't doing anything like that, not like they did in Rome. And 
So what he said was that he would build this ecclesia based on something. And he said to Peter, who got it right, Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And he said to Petros, little rock, he said, you are the Petra, the giant stone, speaking of revelation of God, of who Jesus is, that I will build my ecclesia on and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So this is our identity. Whether you call yourself City, of, City, City Lights Church or you call yourself St. Peter's or if you call yourself Res Church or something else, Jesus only has one ecclesia in the world. And they're the ones who have come to faith, who have come to the knowledge of who he is, that he is the son of the living God. And you've got that revelation inside and that's what makes us brothers and sisters. Amen? Now, I want to share with you one, little, one more little thing here, and I'll get down to it in my notes. Ah, in the context of ecclesia, there was something that was called conventus. It was a Latin word, and we get our word convention from it and things like that. Jesus co-opted this word too. He said, whenever two or three of you are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of you, and you're gonna get what you ask for from my Father. Conventus is two or three gathered together acting in the name of the emperor, in the name of the king. You got that? This is really powerful because this is why my wife and I have been so successful raising our kids. We come into agreement as conventus <laughs> and we pray and ask for God's will to be done in their lives and it is. And we see it happening. Are you with me on this? This is so simple, guys. We just have kind of lost track of this and this is the stuff that, that Jesus was talking about. He taught so many times on the kingdom, the disciples were so excited, they thought he was gonna, after the resurrection, they came to him in, in Acts 1-6 and said, are you going to establish your kingdom now? And he said, no, it wasn't for then, but you are. And he tossed him the keys and said, go do this. And here we are. So we got the keys to the kingdom. Gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We're gonna step out. We're gonna do this in Greeley, aren't we? I'd like to hear a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> okay, so once you come into the kingdom, you actually have a job laid out for you, ahead of you, whether you recognize that or not. And, and that job is to bind up, to loose, and to do things like that. But I want to explain binding and loosing real quick. Jesus gave an example of it in Matthew chapter 18. We don't see it in our English translation, and that's a, that's a shame. But he said that the, the master wanted to give an account, he wanted to take account of all of his servants, and one was brought to him who owed millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay. And this servant got down on his knees and he begged the master to have mercy on him. And the master, and I'm gonna say it in the Greek, the master bound up mercy in his heart and loosed the man from his debt. That's binding and loosing has nothing to do with demons. Are you with me? You guys look at, you're looking at me like I'm preaching some new heresy. But it's right there in the book. In the book. That's what binding and loosing is. When someone harms you, when someone owes you a debt, you are to bind up mercy like our Father in heaven and release the debt because Jesus paid for it on the cross. He paid for all the sins of mankind. All of yours, all of mine, everyone in the planet. 
And because he did that, it is unrighteous to seek collection of a paid debt. In the kingdom, and it's an unrighteous thing. Your righteousness is given to you by grace through faith in Jesus. Amen? But if you become a judge and you wind up in a prison cell, you become like the unrighteous servant. It happened to me several years ago. I won't go through the whole story, but I had judged someone who owed me a bunch of money. I even got a judgment against them. And then we're tithers and we're, we're expecting abundance in life and, and life is just going south. Couldn't figure out why. And I was praying and I was crying out to God and I said, God, I don't know, I don't understand why we're tithers and our, our finances are in the tank. What is going on? And he said, you have become an unrighteous servant. And I said, what are you talking about? And he showed me that in Matthew 18. I was holding this person by the throat, pay me what you owe me. And all their debt was canceled. And he told me, cancel the debt. And it was a debt of over $14,000. I went to the court, released the judgment. It's uncollectible. And that's what God has done for all of us. Amen? This is why you can't be a judge. Because your debts are canceled. There is no debt unpaid on the planet. It's all paid by Jesus. Amen? All right. Let's see if we can get this we're going to burn up a little more fuel and then we're going to land this thing. I'm absolutely convinced that City Lights is going to be a big part of this transformation plan in Greeley. And I'm going to give you some simple little steps that we can take. And we could just start this today. It, it, you don't have to be trained in this. This is the example Jesus gave on how to influence and affect a whole area. He sent his 70 uh, disciples out uh, at the time, they sent them out two by two, and, and that's that conventus thing. Uh, whatever the two of you do together, call upon, calling upon God, you're calling in the name of Jesus, and it's going to be done for you. And when they all came back, if you remember this story, they were so excited because they said all the demons responded. All the demons paid attention to us. We had authority over the demons. And Jesus said, yeah, I know. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? So you're going to step up to a new level of power when you do this. And when you start coming into agreement with your partner or uh, your, your marriage partner or friends in, in the Lord or whatever it is, you start coming into agreement for salvation in the place where you work, for people to get saved, for healings to happen, for, for the things that, the, that Jesus came to do. And you come into agreement and start asking for those things and you're gonna start seeing it could happen. Jesus gave them these steps. He said, wherever you go, Speak peace, bless the community. So bless your neighbors. Speak blessing over your neighbors. Real simple, always talk to God first before you talk to the people about God. It works well. I, I can't tell you how many times I've charged into a situation and talked to people about God and nothing happened because I hadn't done anything to prepare the way in terms of prayer, all right? Next step, fellowship with people when you run into them. I'm not telling you to go to the bars with them and stuff like that, but if you run into your neighbor and don't just nod to them, speak to them. Engage with them. Find out if they have a need, and that's number three. Is there anything I can pray for you about? 
If you see your neighbor with his arm in a sling, don't ignore it. Ask. Our Father wants to heal. So, hey, can I pray for your, can I pray for your arm? Number four, announce or present as you do this that the kingdom has come near. Now, I don't know if you have to say those words, the kingdom, well, the kingdom has come near to you today. I don't know if you have to say that or not. Jesus said, told him to do it. And I've heard people who have done that, but I think that you can announce it by, the, by your very actions. Amen? Okay. Well, let's focus on Jesus here for a moment because I know that he's here. I know he's the son of God. I know that he wants to do something in Greeley, and I'm a big believer in prophetic acts. So if you believe what I've been talking about, if you believe Greeley is a city of God, I'd like you to stand up with me. We're going to make a prophetic announcement, okay? And if you don't, that's okay. You can stay seated. But I want you to say this after me, and I want you to say it as though you mean it. Because when I heard this, I was shaken by the um, gravity and the glory in that voice that spoke to me. And here's what I want to say. Greeley, you are the city of God. You are not an orphan. Greeley, be reconciled to God in Christ. Jesus is the great treasure you've been seeking. Jesus is the pearl of great price. It's in him we live. We move and have our being. Greeley, you are not an orphan. You belong to God. Now just remain standing for a moment while I pray. If if you believe today, today's the first time that anyone's ever explained who Jesus is and you believe in your heart that he is God and you would like to uh, enter his kingdom, I want everyone standing to pray with us. And um, so just say this after me, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. You were born of a virgin. You lived a perfect life. You died to take away our sins. You are alive now, praying for us at the right hand of our Father. And you are calling us to rise up and to be your ecclesia in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our community, our region, our state, and our nation. Jesus, I surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me this day and every day. Teach me to love, to pray for, to bless my neighbors. Lead me to do the good things that Father has prepared for me. Show me every opportunity that you have created for me to walk in my destiny and fulfill my purpose. And give me a voice to speak on your behalf. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Pastor Emily, come on up here as I conclude. I just say this, may God our Father bless you and keep you. May he look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. May his spirit in you announce to everyone you meet, the kingdom has come near. All right, let's give this guy a hand.
Awesome. So good. We love our city so much. It's awesome to have partnership. Um, that's why we called our church City Lights. We want to change our city with the love and the light of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, cool. Um, just a couple reminders as we close. Um, Pastor Bill basically led us through, um, some of you may have prayed a prayer um, to commit your life to Jesus just in that time, maybe for the first time. If you made that decision today for the first time or you're rededicating your heart to Jesus, we would love to follow up with you and make sure you grow in that relationship. If you would, fill out that Connect card and just uh, check on there that you made a decision today and we'll follow up with you and help you grow in that relationship. We'll make sure you get a Bible and um, find out just how to grow in God. Okay, so you want to drop that in the offering buckets on your way out, and we'll follow up with you. Um, I also, we forgot to announce a couple of important things. On um, Tuesday, um, April 2nd, we are having our very first women's gathering, and it will be here in the main, and we have Leslie Lowry is somewhere. She's here. She's helping lead our women's, yay. So we'll have a time of worship together. Um, we'll have an awesome message and just a time to kind of get to know each other as, as women. That'll be here. And there is child care provided. It's at 6 p.m. So um, it's exactly the same time our youth group meets as well. So kids birth all up. We'll have something for them that night. So come to that. And then um, two weeks after that, on April 16th, we'll have our first men's gathering in here. And um, we'll keep mentioning that. So that'll be 6 o'clock. Tuesday the 16th. And I just want to let you guys know, Pastor Kurt will be back in the pulpit next week, continuing his series on courage. You won't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. So um, if, you, if our prayer counselors would come on up right now, if you want prayer for anything at all, if, if you want ministry, if you just gave your heart to Jesus, we'd love to minister to you. We pray for you all week. These guys are powerful and anointed. So feel free to come on up and get prayer. And um, we will see you guys next week. Grab a donut, grab some coffee. Have a great week. God bless you all.